Welcome back to the Pure and Simple Bible Podcast. Hello, hello. And I'm thankful to have another opportunity for a Bible discussion that we can all listen to together. And I'm thankful that you're here. I'm grateful for all the listeners for this. And this podcast is something that really started out as a way for me to get people to hear about the website and want to get to the website and look at the content that's there. And over the years, it's kind of morphed into its own thing. I still like to advertise PSB's website, but the podcast has turned into something of its own. And I have a lot of people that like to listen to it and they let me know about it. Thank you for reaching out. I do appreciate when people text me or email me or call me or whenever I see them uh, out and about, which, you know, over the past year has not been so much as we've all been kind of quarantined at home. But I'm so thankful for the support. Please continue to do it. It is encouraging. You never know what a text or an email can mean until you're on the end where you get it, and it just really lifts your spirits. So thank you for those who have done so and, and for your encouragement. Now, we are in episode 135. It's the third part in a series of studies called What I Believe. Bradley Ballard is back again. And the question that I asked you in the first and second episode, I want to ask it again just to get our minds kind of flowing again. If you had a conversation with someone who had never heard about Jesus before, what would you tell them? Where would you begin? And where would you want to go? I hope by now most of our listeners who've stayed with us across the first couple of episodes have felt empowered to know that, yes, you have the opportunity and the responsibility for whenever people uh, interact with you and you recognize that they don't know about the gospel, instead of saying, well, this would never happen to me or I wouldn't know what to say, hopefully you felt empowered to say, you know what? I can talk to this person even though they've never heard about the gospel before. Based on the inspiration of Bradley's life and the scriptures that he's used from the various experiences that he's pulled together to make this very structured approach with an excellent conversational uh, dynamic to it. It really is something that I think anyone could pick up and utilize. And um, Bradley's ability, I mean, Bradley is very talented, and I'm not intending to take away from that. Bradley's very talented. He's able to talk to non-believers. He's able to sow the seeds of the gospel into their heart. I've seen it firsthand. It is a very precious talent, and he wants to share it with you. So that's what we're doing today. This is the final study. We've considered an overview, and then we've looked closer at three beliefs that Bradley likes to use when talking to people about the Bible for the first time. He says, I believe God created me. I believe God loves me. I believe I need God. And there they are. Now, in this final episode, the tone of the conversation shifts dramatically towards Jesus. You don't want to miss it. It is an inspiration and a motivational ending to a great conversation. So, without further ado, let's get back into the conversation. We've talked about how we need God, and so suddenly there's this shift from this happy feeling to the sense of urgency that, oh, I didn't know I had a problem. Now we're, talk we're going to talk about the answer. You you've presented it that Jesus is the answer, but maybe I need to know well, why is he the answer? What makes him so special that I couldn't do it myself? Uh -huh. 
Well, so far we've mentioned Jesus, but we haven't really introduced him as sure. a character in okay. this story of ours, you know, this set of convictions and beliefs that we have. And so this gives us the opportunity to explain we need God, but we can't get to him. Right. But he gave us access. He sent us a way that we can be granted access to his love and his blessings. He did that through sending his word, his law, having it preserved for us to know today. But most I guess, crucially, and uh, the thing that stands out the most is that he sent Jesus from heaven, mm-hmm. this heavenly ambassador in a true, phys- real, physical form so that we could have hope. Sure. It makes me think of, if I can just add this, maybe a little metaphor, because of what's going on right now with COVID stuff, the idea of infection, in that you, you ask the question, well, why can't I be with God? And we understand that if somebody's been exposed to the virus and they're infected with it, they should not be around people who don't have it because they don't want to infect them. And so I'm, I'm maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but the idea is that God is love, but God is also holy and just and heaven is a perfect place. And for him to allow us in with a sin problem, is, would infect that which is holy and That's good right. and without it. So I can, with this COVID stuff, I can appreciate that even a little mm-hmm. bit more than I did before. But uh, what a great transition where you've presented Jesus, like you said, you've presented him, but you really haven't explained or introduced who he is and his part in this. That's right. Other than that he laid down his life for us. So the fourth belief that you say is, I believe that Jesus is God, mm-hmm. right? And there are three things that I focus on with that. And those three, I'll just state them for people who are trying to remember these. But, um, the, you know, we say Jesus is God. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus was in the beginning with God. Mm-hmm. It says that without him, nothing was made that was made. Mm-hmm. Christ was vital to the creation process and he was there. There is his oneness that he talks about in John 17 with God. When he's praying to God, he says, you know, he's praying for those who were there and who would come after. But he ta- says, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, mm-hmm. that they might be one in us. Mm-hmm. So he declares it in sort of a, a private conversation. He's talking about this principle that is true. Right. And I know to be true. I pray that it will be able to be shared. And then the other one is his authority or authorization that he was sent with uh, to the earth. Yeah. Um, in John 5.30, he says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Right. It wasn't Jesus just charging in and saying, hey, y'all, we're doing something new now. The same God who had who Jesus had been with in the beginning and been with all along, that same God who laid out his law through the patriarchal age, the Mosaic age, and how he would be served and feared, now was sending Jesus to find out how, to share how we would serve him, how we would obey him, and how we would fear him. Jesus stated this beyond a shadow of a doubt before he uh, returned to heaven, but he said in Matthew 28, 18, that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so his, the fact that he was with God in the beginning, his oneness that he shared with God, and the authorization sent from God through Jesus to this earth, 
are all factors. Even if you don't know all of who Jesus is, the historical Jesus, the life that he lived, the fact that Jesus is God, that is vital to, to note before you really appreciate what he did. Because what he did uh, as a human is only really impactful if he was first God. Do you, do you find it confusing to explain the relationship of the divine do you get into that? I'm, this is more uh, maybe for the theory behind your discussion. So the hat I'm wearing presently is as somebody who knows and appreciates the Bible. But when you say Jesus is God and or Jesus is the Son of God, I think for somebody who's very familiar with these, they're able to differentiate. But do you find it confusing as you talk to people who've never heard about it before? Do they take it as maybe different than maybe we intend it to be, or do you not worry about that at this point? Uh, I think with this study, just telling people what I believe, I believe that Jesus is God. Um, and I, I believe it because of these things. Um, I'm focusing on his authority, his love, his purpose. Right. I'm not focusing that conversation on, like you said, the theory of it. And then the question, how can two become one? Um, how, how can two be one in right. that or three, right. you know, depending on your interpretation, I guess. But, uh, you know, just not, not neglecting the to mention the Holy Spirit Correct. and all of that. But how can that be? Whenever you're sharing with someone these convictions and introducing them to these things, I don't really think that's the first thing on their mind. Uh, I think they're more concerned and interested in, so who was this man that is God? Sure. You know, who, what did he do? Uh, because that's how I think what really impacts us um, and, and w- will impact them. And so if someone were to ask what you're asking, I think I would say, you know what? There are going to be a lot of things that we come across that are going to be challenging to understand and consider. I still struggle myself. Right. Uh, so rather than let ourselves get discouraged or bogged down with understanding this principle, how about we look at some things that are a little more approachable and understandable before we, you know, approach the lofty, mm-hmm. you know. That makes sense. I like it. So if, uh, was there anything else in this section on the fourth point that you wanted to bring up? Well, yes. Just to say that whenever you explain that, you know, Jesus is God and make that clear to people, um, it's important, I guess, to know who Jesus is as God because of what he later did. Mm-hmm. And then that takes you to the next point. You know, it's a bit of a cliffhanger there, you know, for somebody to say, because of what he did. And they say, well, what did he do? Well, good question. So the next point, or next thing that I, is a part of what I believe is that Jesus paid my debt. Back on our third point, we were discussing myself. I am a sinner. Mm-hmm. I have put myself in a position as slave by my own actions, and I am essentially helpless to save myself from that. Right. The whole, you know, you go back and, uh, you know, explain to someone the the Old Testament, and, and people look at the Old Testament and all the laws and everything that people had to follow and all the horrible battles that were fought and all the people that were killed, just all of the the things we look at in the Old Testament that people say are terrible and horrible and all the death, but 
there was a sacrificial system put in place that was carried out for you know hundreds of years that wasn't just so that animals could be killed right that was to give Jesus a purpose and for God to be able to demonstrate ultimately his power to forgive not just to kill you know God gave life he can take it but what he's here to do is give life and what Jesus the reason he sent Jesus was to give give us all life and if you and, and this is another one of those elements that you have to explain to people who don't know and remind people maybe who do know but God has a law that says payment has to be made for mm-hmm. sin sin causes us to be spiritually dead it separates us from God you know the, some would say that well if if a uh, you know if, just like a physical body cannot respond when you call out to it when it's dead you know you don't say if if I see you dead on the ground I'm not going to go hey dude what do you want for lunch <laughs> I recognize that there's no life there right some people say well in the same way when your spirit is dead you can't respond to the gospel you can't respond okay okay I get where but, you're going but that's not the way the Bible uses spiritually dead. Spiritual death is separation from that which gives us life. Right, okay. And we must turn back to that which gives us life. Right. Um, in the same way, maybe, that you have to plug in your phone to recharge. Your phone cannot charge itself. Okay, maybe someone's working on the technology to make that happen, but you gotta, <laughs> you got to actively plug it in for it to have life. And sure, gain life. sure. And we have to be plugged in. I love speak, this point. To God. Yeah. So... Uh, I just wanted to say that for those who might think, oh, spiritually dead, that sounds like there's no turning back. Right. But the Bible uses that to explain or to to demonstrate separation from God. We have got to come back to him. And we, we, I think we all, we all recognize that payment has to be made for things. And, and we could take the word payment and use synonyms for it. But when there is a standard and the standard is not met, we recognize that unless something is there to enforce it, that really there's there was nothing at all if if it's not there i could use parenting as an example you can threaten all day long and whatever the punishment is whether it is a spank for a smaller child or grounding or um you know whatever the the punitive measure was if you never use it and all you ever did is say don't do this bad thing or else i'll do that and that the the boundaries keep getting pushed and you never follow up then really that relationship suffers because that measure was meant to teach them where not to go. And when they cross it and they experience the punishment of it, it reminds them of the value of obeying law. I don't spank my kids or ground them because I'm grumpy. Sometimes I <laughs> need to have a better attitude. But I, I discipline my children so that they may learn the standard mm-hmm and grow from it, mature from it. And all of that, I even tell them, I don't spank them as much as I used to when they were a little bitty. Um, People might think that's cruel. But uh, when we spank our kids, it always begins with a conversation of why are we doing this? And they know it's the same thing we say every time, but I do this because I love you, and I do it because I want you to learn that there's consequences to your actions and there's going to come a time when you don't live with me anymore mm-hmm. and you're disobeying God mm-hmm. and nobody's going to be there to spank you. Mm-hmm. And this is because when the sin problem happens, 
payment has to be made. And you may think you get away with it because you're not getting spanked, but we don't want you to live without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And that's why he paid the debt so that you can, when you're on your own and you have problems, seek forgiveness. That's right. So Jesus had to make that payment. You're offering up a lot of things that I want to expand <laughs> on, but I will try to stick to what you invited me over to do. Um, but yeah, Jesus paid my debt. That's what I have to own up to. I had, I had to own up to the fact that I have sinned and made myself a slave of sin, and I've got to own up to the fact that Jesus paid my debt. I have been the recipient. I've been blessed by receiving some amazing generosity from people in the past, from you, from others. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's other things, but tremendous generosity has been demonstrated to me. And when that happens, I have this incredible sense of wanting to pay it back. Mm. And that's just stuff. And, and maybe some people don't feel that way. Maybe some people are like, oh, sweet, <laughs> I got something. But I think a lot of people... I think maybe this is something I've observed, especially in guys, and I'm not saying that's a better or worse thing. I'm just sharing an observation I think I can, I can say. But uh, anyway, just in general, I think when people appreciate something and understand what's been given for them, they have this sense of wanting to make it count. And so uh, when I recognize that Jesus has paid my debt of sin that I could never pay, and the way that he paid was not, it wasn't just that he had plenty to give and to, to share. He had a little extra cash laying around, so he threw some of my way. He gave himself. <laughs> he gave it he all. Gave it. If you were to sell your house and leave your wife and children destitute for my sake, <laughs> that would be you know, a hard pill for me to swallow. And I wouldn't want to just throw that back in your face. Sucker, you know, look, I've got all that was yours. But Jesus gave everything. Mm -hmm. He gave his own life for us and he gave it for people then he gave it for people that would come later he gave it for people who uh wanted it right he gave it for people who didn't want it right don't you dare die for me he died for them anyway i yeah. don't want your love he gives it anyway let me ask you a question that maybe somebody would ask when they hear that though because you mentioned that in the past they were sacrificing animals and if you know my view of a divine being uh, I can value and appreciate it and, and that he would die for me. Oh, that's just too much. You know, I, I don't feel like I deserve it or I'm worthy of it. So why does he have to do it? And why can't I just use that animal? Because that's just the an animal. System. And, you know, but let's say I have the perfect animal that could give. So it, it could be maybe the perfect sacrifice. You keep talking about how he is that, but I don't, I don't think why I want his necessary? blood. Yeah. I could have that blood instead. Why? Well, Hebrews chapter 10 gives us a really clear and simple explanation of why that is. And Hebrews 10 verse 4 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Okay. That pattern that God put in place, the Bible teaches that it was intended to basically roll the sins forward one year. And yes, they were forgiven for that time. Right. But it had to continually be done. It was a... I can't even imagine how much blood was running down the streets <laughs> or as down the paths right. while they were following this system uh, it was continually happening but verse 10 of hebrews 10 says uh, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of jesus christ once for all mm -hmm. a bull or a goat a lamb the, the things that were given back then their blood had no power in itself 
it was always with the intent that a perfect and pure sacrifice would be given, a sacrifice right. from heaven. Nothing on earth was good enough. Right. And so God sent his son from heaven to live on this earth and then to die as the ultimate sacrifice. And the only reason any of that blood from the hundreds of years previous had any power to save them was because it was rolling it forward to the blood of Jesus. And it was dependent upon the blood of Jesus. Some people say, oh, well, couldn't they have saved him? But we wouldn't have wanted that. We would have all been hopeless. Right. Or we'd still be killing right. a lot of sheep today and goats. So uh, it was necessary that Jesus die. Uh, I, I've heard it. I've heard the uh, example given before. I remember this when I was a kid, but we might go to a, a store, department store or something and put something on layaway. Uh-huh. And something would be held for you. Uh-huh. Uh, and you would be paying for it until it was something you could have redeemed and right. have for yourself. And it was sort of a sense, that's how I've heard it explained, that you know the blood of Jesus, because that investment or that sacrifice was coming, the blood of the bulls and goats was, had, had their salvation or their hope on layaway, sure. so to speak. But it sure. was only because of the blood of Jesus. I love it. What a beautiful point. Um, I think of why a bull or a goat or a sheep wouldn't work just with the, I think there is a common, maybe universal, I'm not sure if that's the right word, recognition of value in that an animal's life is inferior to a a human's life. Now, PETA may come get me for saying that, but the idea would be like, if I did something in court that was worthy of death, and I brought in a goat and said, you know what? The goat's going to take that punishment and I'm uh-huh. going to go home. We understand in our court system that they would say, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But there are times, oh, I'm, I may get grilled for being ignorant about it. But it would seem like that if uh, somebody was on trial and th- it wouldn't be murder, but let's say community service or something like that, that a kin could come in and say, I need to take responsibility for what happened. And they receive the punishment instead. Uh-huh. And that's person to person. So there is kind of a life for a life mm-hmm. that are, that we see as just. It's just that this would happen. And it seems like with that understanding that since Jesus is divine, came to this world, lived a perfect life, we recognize that the law is, it's possible for anyone to live a perfect life. And the, the, the odious tragedy is that we choose not to, that he did it. And therefore, in this life for life, only he could do it. And it's very mm-hmm. humbling. Mm-hmm. I think we understand the idea of something being tainted. Uh, if something's tainted, it's no good. Sure. You know, and sin taints us. And, you know, yeah, we have hope of being saved, but that's only through the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus was the only one who ever had something pure enough, good enough to uh, meet God's specifications. Sure, sure. And uh, God provided it. Jesus preserved and maintained it and ultimately fulfilled that when he was when he was crucified. Brother, let me summarize the first five and then I'd like for you to make the transition in your way the way that you might do it naturally with somebody you're talking to 
uh, but you have expressed, I believe God created me. I believe God loves me. I believe I need God. I believe Jesus is God, and I believe that Jesus paid my debt. Where do you take the person for this final belief to maybe help them understand what you believe? My hope at this point in talking to someone is that they're sort of seeing a, a path or a set of things that depend on one another. And the final part of this that I think can convict and give someone else hope, because that's that's what this whole thing is intended to do, is give someone hope and a reason to consider this change that they need to make as well, mm-hmm. but is giving them hope for this concept of slavery. Because we've... Of late, at this point, with what I've shared with someone, I'm laying on them some pretty heavy stuff. I'm a slave. I can't do this on my own. It's it's caused, you know, God to send this Jesus character who you say is his son to die. And you're talking about all these goats and land. Like, this sounds like a terrible situation. What sounded great in the beginning is starting to sound pretty rough. Yeah. But all of that allows me to be free from sin. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that I can be free from sin. And I think it's important to say I can be because it's not just a blanket gift given, bestowed on everyone or on ones that only got uh, specific people God has chosen. But God has set out the boundary for people to freely come in. He's invited. Actually, my wife, Brandy, has, she uh, said this one time and I've really appreciated it, but uh, I was saying to someone over there that, um, God can save, or I think I said, God can save everyone. And Brandy said, well, no, really, God can save anyone. Or I think I said maybe God, you know, wants to save everyone, but it's really God can save anyone. Right. Because everyone, that's just a blanket statement, but anyone is conditional. Anyone who obeys and follows him. Certainly. And yeah, the scriptures teach God wants all men to be saved. Mm -hmm. I like this distinction you're making. Just because God wants all men to be saved, he will not go against his nature to 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 save everyone. A form we might call it universalism mm-hmm. in, in our understanding. So if God makes it makes salvation possible and you believe that you can be free from sin, what, what scripture do you base this on? Well we're drawing off of what I, I've chosen to draw off of one that we've mentioned already, Romans chapter six, where um, Paul's explaining about sin making us a slave. In verse 16 through 18, he says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? And then he gives us the outcomes. He says, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness, Mm -hmm. godliness, godlikeness. Yeah. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. It kind of sounds, you know, someone might say, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I'm a slave of one thing and I'm a slave of something (laughs) else. And you're calling that freedom. But like we said before, it's. Slavery to, to, slavery to a master who wants you to die and suffer with him. Right. Giving that up so that you can be a slave of someone who wants to give you everything, who wants to inherit you as a child. Mm-hmm. That's a totally different picture. Mm-hmm. 
We don't even speak of that in terms of slavery. We have to use it because it's, it's you know, Paul uses it here. But we're just like, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like a great relationship, like a, a father and a child. Yeah. A chosen adopted child. Yeah. So I think it's vital that we recognize that, or I should say, I'm going to be a slave to someone. I don't have a choice about that. What I do have a choice about is who my master is going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when people choose, I think maybe it's also fair to say it's a matter of when you enjoy your freedom. Right. You can either enjoy your quote, I'm doing air quotes right now, that you're... <laughs> Your supposed freedom now in this life where you answer to no one, but in eternity you will answer for that. We, if you're a Christian though, we choose to uh, not be our own authority now. We choose to answer to a higher power because we look forward to the freedom in eternity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we can choose who we're going to serve and we can choose when we enjoy our freedom. But we are going to be a slave. So, yes. That's now the way, one thing that I think is counter. To, it's kind of it's not the way people always think, but right. we have to understand that. Okay. Now the way you end this study, uh, you conclude by, well, I don't want to call it a gospel invitation, but it does seem like you're you're interested in getting people who feel convicted by the truth to uh, get back together. That's again right. For a second time, and, and you know the whole point of this is to make an impression on someone. I've started by saying me, I, you know, what I believe. But at this point, I want to challenge that person. Maybe they've already started doing it for themselves. But Mm -hmm. if they haven't, I want to turn it back on them. You know, I've said, you, you, we're here together because you asked me what, what I believe. Right. And so now I want to turn and say, what do you believe? But not only that, but I want to share with them what, you know, when I say what I believe, that actually affects them. Because I believe it's not only true, but it's for me, but it's true for them as well. And so I want to make it about them for a little bit. Instead of just recognizing, saying, I believe God created me, I believe God created you. Yeah. And I've already told you, I believe God loves me, but I believe God loves you. And I've said that, you know, I need God, but friend, you need God. The same thing that I was willing to own up to before, and this is why we have to, for me to say, you need God because you've done stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. You know, whenever, uh, well, I was going to say whenever you know that someone has suffered, you're willing to listen to them in their suffering. Uh, but if if we don't uh, own up to our need and our sin first, asking someone else to recognize their own sin and their own need just sounds like pointing fingers. We're inviting them to take to do something and take advantage of something that we have had to do ourselves. And then recognizing that Jesus is God, that has implications on me, but it also has implications on you. Because right. not only do I believe Jesus paid my debt, but I believe he has paid your debt. And just like I have to live in a way to obey and take advantage of that, uh, that provision he's made for me, mm-hmm. you, I believe you friend have to do the same Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons we mentioned consistency before one of the reasons that's so important is because that's how we make that's how we take advantage of this provision and if we're saying it but not doing it Mm. then there's no reason we can look at them and say you need to do this yeah 
And so then finally, if I can be free for all these reasons, then you can be free. And helping someone understand that they can be free, I think really only has real value if they understand that they need that freedom. Right. If they're a slave in the first place. Right. And, you know, I think it's probably true, you know, this is a very honest conversation to have with people. Mm-hmm. And, but I think that's vital because truth convicts people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's probably safe to say that as far back in history as people had emotion, God has used that emotion to convict. Yes. And so I, I know this platform of sharing, uh, some people might think it's about who's behind the microphone, but it's really about the people that it's reaching out to. And if you're feeling a tickle or you know, something in your heart or gut, you know, you could dismiss that as just something that, uh, you know, fill it with something else. Go, go watch something that makes you feel better about yourself. Sure. Go listen to something that makes you feel better about yourself. But if we really want to have change, we need to listen to those itchings, to those groanings, those, those feelings uh, that we feel because guilt, fear, all those things are tools that God uses to, to convict and we can use to convict. So if you feel like there's something in you changing or you sense something in your mind that you're thinking differently uh, about things, then perhaps you're experiencing something that people way back, you know, even back to the day of Pentecost and before were feeling with their conviction. But they said their reaction was, what must we do? And so if all of this pertains to me and if I believe it, about me and I believe it about you. I hope you are asking yourself what you believe. For those who, you know, I mean, this is a a gospel call. I think just about any opportunity we can take to make it, we should. But um, for people who do believe, uh, I hope that you will do, try to do the same thing in your own way. I'm not saying take my notes and this is what you believe because I don't know what you believe. But I hope you'll Think about what you believe and why you believe it and be able to defend your hope, which means you have to understand your hope, yeah, the source of your hope and yeah. what it is you actually believe. So that's what I believe. Well, brother, this was a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful conversation. And um, if people wanted to get a hold of your notes, what would be the best way to get a copy of them or for them to ask you questions if they had some additional questions or clarification, how do you want them to reach out to you? Um, they can message me, uh, or I'm sorry, they can send me an email at bradball01 at gmail.com. Okay. also have a website that we created in Korea that we're still building, but um, it's intended, you know, I mentioned our materials that we started on that went back to a very, very basic point. The language is very basic and simple. Um, we have done a lot of research to support uh, the work we did there, but it's intended to be simple. And if you're looking for a way to introduce people to you know what the Bible is and why you believe it's worth uh, following, uh, or maybe you are wondering why how it's organized and want to share that simply with someone, we've created some tools for that, as well as some things that uh, we have. One of our lessons that uh, I think the title is "Does Science Disprove the Bible?" Uh, because, like we said, there's tremendous evidence in the world around us for God to have created us. Uh, but people don't understand it to say that. But the Bible actually um, mentions science and uh, explains science 
way, way, way back before people were using mm. microscopes and petri dishes. So um, when you can explain, uh, help people understand that, you know, science is a tool of God, not of man, then uh, it kind of takes away maybe one of the things in there uh, or one of their concerns. Anyway, that website is enhanceyourenglishbc.com. Enhance Your English BC. BC for Bible course. Okay. But, uh, is the website was, live or is it still being built? It is. Yeah, it is live. People can go on there now and view our lessons. You can get on there and use the lessons. You can also download the first five that we have and um, be happy to know that that's a tool that people are able to use and that it can help you. Well, brother, this has been a, a treat for me. I hope it's a treat for our listeners and God bless you and your work ahead. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. You too. Wasn't that a great conversation? I know if you're listening to it kind of as the podcasts come out, then it's going to take three weeks to listen to it. For those of you who have a sense of delayed gratification, maybe you were able to put it off until all three episodes were available and you watched or rather listened to them back to back to back. Either way, I think it's incredible what Bradley has done to have so many of these conversations and then meditate on what's the common theme when speaking to someone who's never heard the gospel before, and then be able to organize it in a way that anyone, including you and me, can use as we talk to friends or coworkers or neighbors, people in our community who maybe have never heard about Jesus at all. So thank you, Bradley, for spending time in the studio with me. It's always a pleasure to talk to one of my best friends and co-laborers in the kingdom. I've said it several times, no doubt, so bear with me. But Bradley and I have a lot of shared history together, especially working abroad, and uh, so it's, it's hard to sum it up succinctly, but maybe I could say this. We've spent a lot of time in the spiritual foxhole together. He truly is my brother in arms, and I'm grateful for the work that he does. Now, Bradley's got more work ahead of him, and I'm not going to be the one to talk about those. He'll release them in his time, so if you're friends with Bradley and you're close, then I know he's probably let you know already or it'll trickle down to you eventually what Bradley plans to do. So pray for him and Brandy. Pray for their new work. Pray for their uh, help for the church as the kingdom is growing in new places. We're very excited for them and uh, for what the Lord has in store. Now, we never want to leave without reminding you to go to the website. If you go to www.pureandsimplebible.com, you can check out all sorts of downloadable workbooks and handouts podcast library, video library, and it's all absolutely free for you to download and use. So check it out. And always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true. About a judge by the name of Gideon He was a man like me and you